Pony really messed everything up at Consensus. What? I messed stuff up. Why is this my... Well, you know how difficult it is to manage the audio for four fast... Remember when I said we should plan better? Because yeah, we're going to broadcast and record? Do you remember when we had to pay $2,500 for internet? <laughs> yeah, but that's... You're, 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 uh, you're just getting away from the point here. The point is that you killed the audio. It's my fault, guys. Well, you spent like an hour doing it and you still screwed up, so... Dear people of Earth, I apologize. This close to being kicked off the show. This close. <laughs> we had such a great show, too. It was a lot of fun. Now only like 50 people saw it. That's okay. That's okay. You had so, to be part of the club. Yep. Was it like 100 people? I don't know. Yeah, it was like 100 people. 1,000 people? I think it's a thousand. No, bro, that's consensus 2019. Mexico Crypto Conference in 2019. Yeah. MCC. <laughs> in the house. So for, for MCC, if you want to come, you have to be able to sing the, the song. Or intro song. If you can sing it, we'll let you in. Well, no, we, we can do some sort of discount. Or, or <laughs> if you don't know the song, it's like 10% extra or something like that. <laughs> we, we need to think about who's going to be the MC of MCC. <laughs> the MCCMC. The MCCMC is a, a tough decision that we need to come come to. How's MCC related to the BCC? Isn't it the Bitcoin Bitcoin Core Coin? <laughs> no, that's BTCC. Oh, BTCC. I forgot. <laughs> which is also a company. Oh, of course. Uh, which company is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Never heard of it. Wow, that you know. These these people are not making good decisions. <laughs> but there's already physical bitcoins for BTCC, so works out well. Yeah, but the mint is closed, so you can buy poker chips. Is it? So welcome to the show. Magical crypto. The best thing to do is simply to huddle. What's a young pony to do in a sea of shady ICOs? A lion's courage can light up even the darkness of shadows. Unlike the corporate suits, the whale panda is wise. A chicken dreams about the moon while soaring in the skies. As Bitcoin sees new all time highs. All around me, I see big block heads. Magical crypto. The best thing to do is simply to huddle. So welcome to our eighth episodes. I'm still Whale Panda. We still have like the guy who messed up all the audio last episode, uh, Ricardo. What's up? Samson, who is trying to arrange everything for our magical crypto conference. And Charlie, who if he didn't sell his LC stash, uh, it would now be higher. The market cap of, of Litecoin would now be higher than Bcash. Maybe. Well done, John. Good job. Yep. Thank you. Well, first of all, we already talked about um, the, what consensus was like at consensus, but no one heard about that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that the overall uh, sentiment was that it was fun to meet everyone, but uh, the, con the conference itself sucked uh, because it was all scammers and uh, all ICO pitches. Yep. Um, and that's why we just came out of nowhere with uh, up with the Magical Crypto Conference, which is supposed to be um, a more technical conference, more Bitcoin focused, uh, maybe with a bit of Monero, Litecoin, 
scams like that, uh, like more more like good scams rather than bad scams. Uh. <laughs> the problem with um, consensus is just the ticket price was so high that it kind of just prevented like real Bitcoiners from joining. So because like, real Bitcoiners uh, hodl and don't want to spend their Bitcoin on ticket. Exactly. Exactly. I don't. Th- I don't think it's that it prevented them. It's just that people don't want to pay that much to go and listen to people sell ICOs. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly like a lot of like business people, right? A lot more business people than than the actual mix of Bitcoiners. So I, I agree with that. I think it, the, the problem is you've got a lot of people who now work for themselves um, in the Bitcoin space. And for them to justify that ticket price is very different from a company just writing like a check for 50 tickets for 50 employees to go. Well, also, you have to think about, was it really that much to, to see or, or to like experience as a Bitcoiner? I don't think so. I mean, uh, the Blockstream room was great. Um, I, I saw, I think I saw two talks. Um, yours, Ricardo, where you were on. Um, it was on pri- privacy, I believe, um, which was also great. But that was also because it was like people who know what they're talking about. And um, other than that... I didn't really see anything. I, I, I saw part of, of like Jack's talk with uh, Elizabeth Stark, um, but I left early there, and and that's basically it. Well, the uh, Jimmy Song talk was good. The panel. Yeah. Then I was stuck in the boxing room. I missed it. I saw it afterwards. Oh, the yeah. podcast is back. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast doesn't doesn't want to yeah, doesn't want to move. So another topic that that actually came up uh, at the conference it was like a big. Uh, just uh, as a note, this is going to be a Bash Ricardo episode. It's not going to be a Bash uh, Charlie episode. Woo-hoo! So the first topic that came up the first was time. Uh, <laughs> Ricardo's watches. So watches that, or watch? Watch. But he has many of them. There's a lot of them. Um, yeah. He's always trying to show off with them and uh, trying to be like very posh. That's, that's why I walk around with like, you know, bling on my wrist. And uh, and I talk about them all the time. Uh-huh. And the funny thing was, no one even saw the ones you're wearing around your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, you know, and under my jacket. If I just like held up the right inside of my jacket, I had a whole bunch of like iced out Rolexes. Yep. <laughs> no one even asked. No, but obviously they got blown way out of proportion. Um, and I know Ricardo a bit, and he's not like that trying to show off. It's a, he he just enjoys. Timepieces, as, as he likes to call them, <laughs> and actually, this is actually a, a funny, funny thing. But it's it's true. Like when, when you go on Instagram, when a lot of guys have Instagram, they, they use it to, to, to like check out bikini models or other type of models or whatever. If you check out Ricardo's Instagram feed, it's all watches, watches and cars. <laughs> that makes me sound like a bad rapper. I don't know. <laughs> well, Fluffy Pony does sound like a rapper name a little bit. Yeah, for MCFP. So, so what, what do you think of, of all this? Uh, uh, let's call it that you got for, for it. I don't know. There were a couple of interesting things that came up as a result of that discussion. Um, a lot of people said things like, I would never spend that much money on a watch or um, I would rather spend that money on a house and whatever. So lots of assumptions made about where I spend my money. No one bothered to ask like, you know, little things like, I don't know, you know, is this a sound investment? I mean, there were some people who, who asked that. 
Um, and and I'm not certainly not uh, uh, saying that people should go out and buy watches, but um, high-end timepieces absolutely can be a sound investment. Um, if you know what you're doing and you also have good relationships in the industry, so you can sell it if you need to. But I mean, beyond that, like there were a lot of people that moaned about why am I, I spending my money on that when I should be spending my money feeding starving children in Africa? Exactly. And you're in Africa. What's your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> you know, given given the, the benevolence we've seen in the community with like the Pineapple Fund, um, Hack for Hunger, uh, Sean's Outpost and a lot of things like that um, over the years, I think that it's kind of silly to assume that I'm doing a disproportionate amount of good. Um, I don't think that anyone that does good should walk around bragging about it. And so it becomes like, well, what do people notice? Someone should tell the Bcash guys that. Oh, yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, like, I prefer spending my money on that than on ridiculous boat parties. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I'm just afraid of losing so, my private keys on a boat again. Ricardo, are you behind the pineapple fund? Is that what you're insinuating? No. <laughs> please, please let nobody take this video and assume that I'm insinuating that. And then like, yeah. we have Pineapple Gates. Those awesome guys at Pineapple Fund get no credit for the amazing work that they're doing. No, but I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? <laughs> that like, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good stuff that happens. And I think that it gets sort of swept under the radar because everyone wants to focus on like what people are spending their money on. When... I think as a lot of people rightfully pointed out, it's nobody's business. Yeah, indeed, it's nobody's business. And uh, everyone should like, or can do what they want to do. And also, yeah, like, like, you, like you mentioned, if, if you if you do good, you shouldn't go around bragging about it. I mean, then you're not doing it for, for like uh, the advantage of the of the children or whatever, but then you're do, doing it like to, to make a statement about yourself. That's more like a virtue signaling. Yeah. But sadly, most people do that, right? All they care about is letting other people know that they're doing good. Yeah, sadly. Without virtue signaling, charities would not function. That's true. The only point that I made to people about that is, like, I live in Africa and I see cruelty and suffering on a daily basis. And you can't, I don't, I don't think it's possible to live here and not be moved to, to want, at least want to help people. Whether that translates into action is another story. But I mean... It's you know, a lot of people live in whatever, live in their ivory towers and don't see cruelty and suffering except maybe on the news if they even watch the news anymore. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with with Ricardo spending so much money. It's his money. The only problem I have is that he wore it on the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he did, Charlie. There are no rules. You make your own rules. <laughs> of course, yeah, when you're rules. Using, when you're wearing eight hundred thousand dollar watch there are no rules it's designed to be one on your right arm when you're cycling was i cycling a consensus did anyone see me cycling you could be right? oh that, that was why there was a unicycle there okay <laughs> that would make sense when i wasn't yeah, on the like, unicycle cool watch but wrong wrist <laughs> i promise if you guys ever catch me cycling i will totally be wearing the watch on the right wrist <laughs> Well, we won't catch you cycling. <laughs> I think it was a distraction. He went in and he thought, oh, if I wear this watch, people are going to see it. So he's put it on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> that way no one will see it. <laughs> Ricardo, let me ask you, how many people do you think actually wears that watch cycling? Um, no, I'm serious. Like, Do you think anyone actually bought that watch for cycling? No. 
No, I, I think that... Like, not at all. <laughs> I think that the only person... There's only one person that wears a watch for cycling, and that is the designer. Yeah, and recently they released a polo watch for playing polo that's worth like a million dollars. I'm just thinking, like, how many people actually play polo with that watch? How many actually play polo? Period. P- Poloniex? <laughs> it's a trader's oh. watch. It's if you made Banco Poloniex, then you can then you can wear that watch. So uh, l- let's move on before we start the entire episode talking about watches. Uh, so oh, actually, one of the remarks that we got is that in the first few episodes, we did a lot of more informative talks about technical issues. Um, and we stopped doing that. We stopped more, more like joking around, apparently. I don't know where they got it from. So let's go back to like one of the more technical issues uh, at hand, uh, quantum resistance. So IBM said that in like five years, um, there will be like quantum computers and... Uh, a lot of cryptography uh, algorithms will be broken. Others say, other experts say that it's about 20 years out. So should we be worried about it? Um, should Bitcoin be worried about it? Should Monero, Litecoin be worried about it? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think Ricardo is Googling it right now. Give him a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, right. So I've, I've, had the, I've had the privilege of speaking to experts in post-quantum cryptography at uh, the University of Eindhoven, which is a very famous university for cryptographers because that's where Tanya Langer and Daniel J. Bernstein are. Now, um, one of the things that the guy said, or a, a couple of things that, that came up in that discussion with this post-quantum cryptographer um, and others is that we don't actually know how quantum, crypt- uh, quantum computers are going to affect cryptography. We have some educated guesses. We have some things that we can assert that are probably correct, but we don't actually know. So a lot of post-quantum cryptography design is based on a set of assumptions that may be incorrect. And that's obviously quite dangerous because you can put your hopes in like this amazing, um, whatever, lattice, yada, yada, um, super, super silly, ISO, whatever, poly, whatever. And then next minute that thing just breaks down. That's the first thing is like, we don't know until we know. And by then, obviously, it's going to have like a bit of a chilling effect on certain types of cryptography and certain things will have to move quickly to upgrade. Um, the second thing is uh, it's going to affect a lot more than like Bitcoin and Monero. That's going to affect TLS. It's going to affect all sorts of things. And all data is, uh, I mean, we, we often view like TLS streams as transient, but they're not. When you visit a website and the website uses HTTPS, your connection is end-to-end secure. But that doesn't prevent somebody, an attacker, an ISP, the NSA, whoever, from taking that entire data stream and storing it somewhere for later decryption. So that encryption, um, and, and the same goes for Tor, the same goes for I, um, ITP, the same goes for anything. All of these encrypted protocols um, are most likely being snorted and snarfed and stored somewhere for later decryption by post-quantum computers, or quantum computers rather. Um, And this is something that isn't really avoidable except like not to use the internet at all. The fact that we're storing data on a blockchain is, well, I mean, sure, it makes things easier for an attacker because they don't have to go and like passively um, grab the data. But at the end of the day, they have the data anyway. So anything you do using a blockchain, if your concern is that somebody might be able to figure it out later, 
Um, well, you know, again, stop using the internet because like that's just one of those things that's going to happen. Quantum computing, I think like we'll have time to um, to switch our algorithms around to be quantum safe when the time comes. Um, yep. And if quantum computing, I mean, there's a small chance that quantum computing will like destroy cryptography totally. Like nothing can be um, encrypted. Then this is going to destroy like pretty much the whole financial system, right? Everything relies on um, some sort of cryptography yeah. to keep things safe. So um, that would be the, Bitcoin would be the last of our worries if that happens. We'll all be living <laughs> off the like the land and learning to plow. Yeah. So, but I, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll have time to to kind of um, adjust and adopt uh, quantum safe computing or cryptography. I mean. Well, I think there's different layers in um, being quantum safe or quantum resistant. So ECDSA can be attacked, right, by quantum computing. But I think SHA-256 can't be just because of energy required to, to brute force it. But things like ECDSA, that can be replaced and swapped out. So different parts of, um, let's say, Bitcoin can be switched out. We can switch out ECDSA for something else. Um, we could probably switch out SHA-256 as well if we needed to. And But I think um, by that time, we'll probably have some other hashing functions and algorithms that would be resistant. One thing I was going to point out as well is, I don't know if you know what Google have been doing um, for post-quantum cryptography experiments, um, but they've been encrypting a percentage, a small percentage of um, connections that Chrome makes to Google's uh, domains using um, normal TLS encryption, but also a post-quantum um, encryption scheme inside of that. And their thinking is, if ordinary computers end up being able to break the post-quantum scheme, at least you have normal, like, you know, or ordinary encryption. Um, and if in the future there are quantum um, computers that can break the uh, ordinary scheme, at least you have the post-quantum scheme. So I don't know, maybe over time as we as we start to sort of, uh, as this landscape starts to play out, maybe what we'll end up doing is upgrading like Bitcoin and uh, Monero and Litecoin and whatever um, with protocols that are like that, where we're like, yeah, we're doing SHA-2, but we're also doing this uh, this post-quantum hashing function. Yeah, we're doing ECDSA, um, uh, but we're also doing this, you know. And maybe that's the, the sort of way that we end up moving just to make sure that we're, as a, as a, a network and an economic system, we're ready for that. So when uh, Vitalik comes to us and asks for uh, money for his uh, quantum mining uh scam should we or should we invest in it or not all in actually this is this is funny enough a lot of people don't don't, don't know this like they, they've not been around that much but before vitalik uh, started with ethereum he did like a presentation and asked for funding for uh, quantum uh, computer mining or something like that and he would have done an ico if ethereum was around back then maybe that's why he created ethereum that that's his next step. Ah. Oh. He needed a platform for ICOing his virtual quantum mining computer thing. You got it. Interesting. And then he can try to attack uh, other change with it. And talking about attacking other change, see how we see what he did there. Um, so there was uh, this this new website um, which uh, calculates like how much uh, it costs to attack 
51% attack a blockchain, like on hourly basis or something like that. Uh, the website is crypto51.app. Um, and th there's some interesting stuff there. So, because recently we see now um, Bitgold, Bitcoin, not Bitgold, Bitgold uh, got 51% uh, attack. Verge uh, had issues, although that was not really related to that directly. Um, there was another one, I think you mentioned, Charlie, what was it? Zencash just got attacked today. Or allegedly, I, I haven't confirmed it. it. It's apparently very cheap to, to attack some, some of the bigger um, bigger chains. And also, lastly, the sun is attacking Ricardo's <laughs> face. <laughs> so what, what are your uh, thoughts on that? Because it, it's surprisingly cheap. And I think it, it shocked a lot of people that like, because um, I, I have it on here right now, um, like Bitcoin, which is a billion dollar uh, market cap, you can attack it for one hour for $533. Yeah, it's actually funny that a, a month before this happened, I gave a presentation in Korea talking about how some of these weaker minority chains can be attacked. And then, you know, a month later, someone made the website and then we see it happening. But I, I think if you didn't know that this was possible and things are nice hashable, then you probably should not be buying and investing in in these cryptocurrencies. I think most people were aware of it, but but not about like how cheap it actually was. I I like that the site also shows you like the percentage of the hash rate that's available for rent on nice hash. Yeah, and you can yeah. see the feasibility of an attack as well. Yeah, yeah. If it's like over a thousand percent, it's very very easy. Likely, I would say. Um, actually, Bitcoin Private it's uh one thousand two hundred percent now, and it's a four hundred and twenty million market cap at the moment. Yeah, you can't fake security, yeah. yeah. And it, look, it looks like Ricardo defended the 51% sun attack. <laughs> so, good job. I win. <laughs> Actually, another interesting yeah. thing that came up was that... that uh, it shows how strong Monero is. No, I, I, actually, it, it, it's more expensive to, to attack um, Dogecoin than to attack Monero. Uh, that's not true, because Dogecoin, <laughs> Dogecoin is merged. I know. You can't still do funny. a one-to-one. -one. It's still funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm I'm laughing inside right now. <laughs> well, I mean, the, some other people pointed out, like because Dogecoin is merge mine, it becomes easier if pools wanted to attack Dogecoin because it costs them nothing. They're mm -hmm. already merge mining it. Um, so that's that, that's all. That's a threat when you're being merge mined. Yeah, that's true. I think the the I mean, pools would need to have a pretty strong incentive to. Um, to want to sort of bite off the the free lunch that they're getting with that, um, so yeah, there's I mean there's that balance of like, hey, the incentive is you get free money, um, and and the other incentive is to attack it for X. So I mean, look, that balance of incentives is always messy um, because I think that that it's hard to think adversarially and it's hard to understand the disincentives that often exist. Um, but I think with merge mining, it seems to it seems to have lasted a fairly long time um things like namecoin have been merge mined for ages and you know they're, they're still around and well for for the the newer viewers that are not that familiar with it can you like quickly explain why someone with 51 percent attack uh, a chain what are the benefits from the for the attacker and what are the drawdowns for the the other people at five dollars an hour you might want to attack it just for fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely like 
people may want to attack it just for fun, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just see if they could. Um, if it's cheap, then it, it would, yeah, might be worth it just for fun. Yeah. But there's also, um, if you really don't like that coin for some reason, you might want to attack it. Um, or if you, um, if you can actually, if you do 51% attack, you, you can double spend, right? You can yeah. lo- release your longer change, which has a double spent version of the transaction that you want to undo. So you send money to an exchange um, anonymously or using some of the exchanges that don't really know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you sell for Bitcoin, you cash out, and then after you cash out, you launch, you were se- separately attacking it. You launch a longer change, which has a different transaction, which undo, undoes the transaction that you send the coin to the exchange. So now you keep the coins and you have Bitcoin that the exchange gave you. So the yeah. exchange lose out on the money. And you can also short the coin um, if there are places to short it. So you can attack, and then if the coin value drops, um, you make money. But surprisingly, some of these coins actually got pumped after they got attacked. So you just never know. But I mean, yeah. you might also you might also be a competing coin, and you just want to get rid of your competitor. So you know, you just uh-huh. continuously attack it. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like, uh, there's like a point where there's like easy money on the table to do a, your own coin, do your fork coin or to do a token sale. And then when that dries up, then attacking and stealing from exchanges and shorting is probably going to be easier. So I think we're reaching that point now where it's not as easy to get the quick money and people will start attacking uh, to, you know, make money fast. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, let's be honest, exchanges do not have a high tolerance threshold for coins that are continuously attacked. They're, they'll just delist them. They don't care. You think. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's dangerous. Um, but um, like, okay, we have Ethereum, which is like a 58 billion market cap, but all those uh, tokens on, on Ethereum, um, if, if Ethereum gets 51% attacked, they can also like mess with those the, the, uh, tokens, no? And then the total market cap is suddenly a lot bigger than like it's Ethereum plus all the the market cap of all the tokens. So would you be able to retrieve to uh, to undo all those transactions? You, double, you you mean could you double spend a token uh, like an ERC trade? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? So say yeah, you know, it's so, the same so thing. Then, because now it's for example four hundred fifty thousand dollars to attack Ethereum for an hour. Okay. Well, I have Ethereum. I have all those ERC twenty tokens. Why not? So you're saying short all the tokens and then attack the chain. No, sell it and short it, and yeah. Well, it's it's quite hard to attack like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Monero, some of the larger coins that have like that's dominating their like respective um, mining algorithm. It's hard to attack those because not like the Crypto Fifty One site. It shows you like how much it costs to rent the hash rate, right? But you you can't you just can't rent enough because people are honestly mining that coin. So they're not renting out their hash rate. You just can't rent enough to attack mm-hmm. these larger coins. Plus, if someone did attack Ethereum successfully, they just roll it back, right? <laughs> so what's the point? <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, you've got, um, they've got that, uh, that right-hand column that shows you the, the nice, hash, nice hash percentage. And I mean, you take like yeah. Bitcoin... Bitcoin's got 1% available on NiceHash. I mean, that's not enough to pull off an attack. Ethereum's got 2%, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I think that 
unless your the percentage the hash rate available on nice hash is like forty percent, you're really going to struggle to pull off any any feasible attack. Um, and and why bother? Go for the low hanging fruit first. Yeah, the problem is that the incentive is also skewed a bit too, because market cap is a bad indicator, right? There is no market depth. So even if you tried to, you know, to steal coins, you're going to tank the price as you're selling, right? So it doesn't really matter. But that's the shorting. That's the shorting trick, right? Then I mean, you short the currency, and then you just continuously attack it. So even though you dump, even though the price is dumping, you've shorted it, so you made money. Well, you can also have it and then sell it. But then it, it, if market depth is not there, then you're going to take the market when you're so selling it. Say, we're right? making assumptions about liquidity as well. Um, yeah. and, and maybe sort of like a weighted market cap or coin market cap weighted by liquidity would give an attack a better metrics for you know which, yeah. which coin to start with. But yeah, that's why these coins that are more well-known are getting attacked as opposed to these like no-name coins, right? Coins that actually have liquidity that- Liquidity, where an attacker mm-hmm. can actually pull some value out of it when they yep. do attack the coin successfully. Yeah, that's why I call that's why I call security by people not giving a shit about your coin. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think it's it's kind of a good thing. It's kind of like survival of the fittest. You can It's also like um, we'll see like which coins are actually can survive these attacks, right? What's actually like people have been too complacent, like just releasing coins. Every all these coins are worth like hundreds of millions of dollars in market cap, right? When they really shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they're not, and the attackers know they're not stupid. Yeah. Unless it's the attackers that ask for one million in Ripple. <laughs> <laughs> how much security a coin has is basically relative to how much they're paying miners, right? So Bitcoin has really high security because every block pays a lot of money to miners, and there's. Um, six blocks an hour, right? You can calculate that, how much how much Bitcoin is paying miners. And in order to attack the coin, you either have to um, mine yourself or you have to bribe these miners to lend the hash rate to you to attack, right? So you have to pay them more than they would earn from them just mining themselves. And that mm-hmm. just increases the cost of the attack. So Bitcoin is paying out the most to miners. And you can quickly do the calculation to see, like some coins are paying like, a thousand dollars an hour to miners. So if you just bribe enough miners, pay them two thousand dollars, you can attack it pretty easily. Yeah. Okay. So on to the next uh, topic, which is also about Ricardo this time. <laughs> um, so I, I, I heard that you uh, abandoned Monero and are now launching a new ICO scam called Tari. Can you elaborate on that? So clever, well, Vanda. We're also oversubscribed for like $300 billion and it'll be the largest pre-sale ever. So will it be similar to EOS? It'll be better than EOS. It's like EOS 2.0. Also, we're, lo- we're going live in like two months because that's how quickly it takes to build a protocol. Yeah. So um, you're, you're obviously not, not really leaving Monero, but you're giving like away your responsibilities in the community. I've been doing that for like two years. So you know how Charlie sold his Litecoin at all-time high? So I've been giving <laughs> no. away my, my Monero duties at all-time high. So it's kind of the same. Kind of the same. Kind of the same. <laughs> kind of the same. He's giving his duties to me. Yeah, there we go. I'm the new Monero head. <laughs> so Charlie's the new CEO of Monero Incorporated. Wow, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. 
I'm shutting I'm shutting down Monero now. <laughs> <laughs> and you're putting confidential transactions into Litecoin, right? Yep. So, so in seriousness, um, yeah, we uh, we're building a decentralized assets protocol on top of Monero. Um, so it's kind of like counterparty for Monero. Um, we're doing things a little bit differently, uh, but so we're doing it as a merge mine sidechain instead of um, counterparties embedded consensus model. But there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of the, the spirit of counterparty and what counterparty was trying to achieve that we're going to do in Tari. And what's the advantage of it being on Monero? Does it have any advantage of uh, the privacy protocol and stuff like that? Or, or? Um, so there's a, there's a similar privacy focus um, but obviously with, with decentralized, um, I mean, with, with natively digital assets, uh, privacy is often less of a concern than it would be with like sound money. Um, and so the, the, the main focus is scalability. So whilst we, we have a strong privacy focus, we're not as maniacally focused on privacy as Monero is. And instead we're trying to, we're trying to build something that is, uh, that has stronger scalability claims um, and weaker privacy claims than Monero. Um, I think we can do so and still achieve a reasonable level of fungibility for um, fungible tokens. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's uh, it's like we're, like we're we're legitimately two years out from this thing launching um, because building a protocol is hard um, and there are no shortcuts. So, isn't Tari selling? Movie tickets? Why do you need private movie tickets? No, Atari is not selling movie tickets. So the, the, <laughs> there's been a lot of talk about ticketing, and um, uh, you know, obviously, like uh, one of the, one of our co-founders, Dan uh, Dan Terry, is the co-founder of Ticketfly, um, and he sold Ticketfly to Pandora uh, many many moons ago. And because of his experience in the ticketing industry, a lot of people um, have made the leap to, oh, Atari is for tickets, but it's not. Um, mm. Tickets are a type of native digital asset, but um, that's just one type of native digital asset. I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of other things, right? Um, like ERC-20 tokens that, that could be done on Atari, uh, like loyalty points and like in-game assets, in-game um, tokens. So there's lots of stuff that that, um, that we want Atari to be good for besides... Um, the obvious use case like tickets and crypto kitties. I think crypto kitties on Tari would probably be crypto ponies, but you know, I don't see why not. Okay. That's enough, enough shilling of your, your ICO. I have three words for you. Take my money. Where can I invest? <laughs> you can't, you'll have to buy it from miners. Like the rest of the rest of the poor people that had to buy Bitcoin and Monero at the beginning and Litecoin. Can't you sell him your pre-mine? So there's no pre-mine and there's no ICO. Not even for magical crypto friends? Private fund? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. There's no deal flow in the magical crypto friends um, HQ. Why do we even keep you on the show? <laughs> I know. For You know, it, you keep me on the show so I can mess up the sound and give us something to talk about. <laughs> You're also funny from time to time, so that's that comes in handy. Quite, quite, quite controversial with your watches and uh, stuff like that. So it's always fun. I'm not wearing a watch on my right hand because I'm not cycling. <laughs> show, it, show us your left hand. It's just a buckle. There's no watch. It's like a Lambo on your wrist. 
<laughs> okay, on to the the fan questions. We we had we had some fun ones uh, this week. So, um, first question: What about uh, the the magic between Chihan and Zuko looking in, into each other's eyes and making promises? Proof of eyes? Question mark. So, um, to, to give it a bit of a background, uh, Zuko posted last week. Um, that he had a video chat with uh, Shihan. Uh, they talked about uh, all kinds of stuff, including Monero mining. And Shihan said, we did not uh, secretly mine Monero. Um, we have 200 people working for us. So if we would do it secretively, it would come out eventually. Um, we've never mined anything in secret. That's why people have received dusty miners with like broken yeah. fans. <laughs> And and uh, Zuko said, "I look like I looked at him, and I believe that he was telling the truth." No, no, no. his feelings told him that Jihan is telling the truth. It's because he looked into Jihan's eyes for five minutes in Argentina, guys. Get it right. That's all you need. So, what are your thoughts on on, on that, Ricardo? I, I, you tweeted about it also. <laughs> I mean, like we, this is even if this wasn't like Bitcoin and decentralized applications, even if this was just like traditional like capitalist companies competing with each other um, to, to go like, I trust someone because I looked at them in the eyes is such a naive, grossly naive statement. I don't even know. Like, Oh man, I don't even know where to begin about how like crazy that is. Don't verify, trust your feelings. But I mean like over and above that, someone pointed out that, um, that that culturally you know the like there's a there's a whole sort of cultural thing because um there's almost like an expectation um of lies and whatever uh when you're playing at that level um in china i don't know how true that is i'm not chinese i don't live in china i don't do business um uh with with people that run large asic manufacturing companies in china but you know i definitely can um, can attest to there being cultural differences um, between the way we do business in the West and the way uh, business is done in the East and um, having dealt with a lot of suppliers there. And I think like, you know, the, you, you can't just go like, well, in, in the United States, we do business with a handshake and a smile. And that's the way it works all around the world. With that accent. <laughs> Nobody does that in the U S <laughs> Because my word is solid gold, Bitcoin solid gold. <laughs> That's wow. actually interesting that you pointed out because I I had a conversation with someone who actually lives in China, and he basically said the same thing. So that uh, in in China when you do business, they lie to you, but because they also expect you to lie to them. So for it's all fair game because. Um, they lie to you, you lie to them, and and that's all part of the business. I don't know if 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 uh, Samsung can uh, give some in, input in that. Samsung's Canadian, bro. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, but he does lots of business man. there too. Uh, I, I don't think people lie to you. I think maybe it's just more guarded. Like I don't think people go into a business discussion and say I'm going to lie to you because you're going to lie to me. It's just more guarded. Uh, people are less direct. It's more beating around the bush and going around about way to reach a point. But Charlie has a good, good, uh, um, good grasp on it too. What do you think, Charlie? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> we're starting to get very, very racial. Suddenly. I know. 
all of a sudden I started realizing we have two Asians and two white people. <laughs> I never even like thought about that before. <laughs> this show got darkly uh-huh. racist very quickly. <laughs> Oops. Anyways, I, I don't know. It, I don't think it, it. I don't think any of that matters. It's just ridiculous that we're dealing with the uh, cryptocurrency and you know trustlessness and everything. And he's just like you know trust my I trust my feelings. And a lot of this stuff is easily verifiable too. I mean, they're shipping dusty miners that have been used to mine ahead of time. Uh, we know that they're they're mining Monero way before they released their Monero ASICs too. And then you don't even want to get into the whole ASIC boost stuff. But I mean, they said we, we mined on testnet with uh, ASIC boost, but they manufactured their boards for ASIC boost. You don't do that unless you're going to use it. It's like making a phone with a camera and saying, yeah, that's just there for fun. You're not supposed to use that camera. What's, what's disturbing to me is just the fact that like, I guess Jihan and, Zuko just talked about some stuff, right? And then they're creating like ASICs for Zcash, and Zcash has considered like changing their mining algorithm to combat ASICs. And now they've chatted. So, like, what did they chat about, right? What could they have possibly chatted about? Did money change hands? That's like, is there a deal that's being struck? It's, it's all seems potentially um, some conflict of interest going on. Well, all you know for sure is that. Zcash is probably not going to change their algorithm for proof of work. Definitely not after Zuko looked into Jian's eyes. <laughs> it would be such betrayal of those eyes if he were to change the proof of work algorithm. Jian will phone up and be like, Zuko, I trusted you. Jian <laughs> probably paid Zuko in, in Monero, in XMR. <laughs> Because Zcash transactions are not shielded. Oh, well, that's right. also said that that, that, uh, that one of the main issues is that there is uh, a big uh, communication gap between the West and the East. Uh, and that's one of the reasons. And, and they, they stopped uh, communicating that well because of that com- uh, communication gap or something like that. It didn't make any sense. You remember that that conference where someone called uh, Bcash Bcash? GM yeah. was not, uh, there was no gap there. He shut it out. It's, 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 it's Bitcoin cash, not Bcash. <laughs> it was the Ethereum Plastic Summit. I, I was there. I was yes. in the room. I told the guy that to was do the it. one. Uh, was there a gap? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it was pretty good communication. Well, Panda <laughs> has been stirring the pot for years. <laughs> um, okay. Next topic. So, um, in, at Consensus, we talked about Verge being added to uh, Pornhub and stuff like that. And we're talking about porn. Um, now something interesting came up. Um, Litecoin is accepted by uh, VR porn. So, uh, Charlie, what did you have to do to get that done? <laughs> no money changed hands, first of all. <laughs> you just looked, in, looked at them in the eyes and convinced them. Yep. Trust. I trusted him. He trusted me. You had to agree to star in a few films. <laughs> Um, what happened was what happened was actually um, VR porn contacted me after you know like when Pornhub launched with Verge I made a public tweet saying that hey they should accept the real deal like Bitcoin and Litecoin and then Pornhub replied with a snarky comment that kind of just blew me away so VR porn 
like wrote me and said, "Hey, we they didn't like the fact they didn't like the fact how Pornhub treated like responded me, and they they're big fans of Litecoin and they wanted to support Litecoin." And I'm like, "Sure, yeah, that's cool. Um, go ahead." <laughs> and then they they implemented it and launched it. Um, I, I I think. It's cool. I don't. <laughs> so, yeah. so you get like a free lifetime subscription. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I had to pay for mine. Okay. Um, the future of VR, right? Future of cryptocurrency. Yeah. So it's actually blockchain, blockchain plus VR plus porn. Yeah, it's a trinity. Solid. Okay. Uh, one a question for uh, Samsung. When will your loyal fans be able to purchase shirts? Like, when is the webshop ready? Two weeks. Okay. I still have to get the Blockstream store back in operations. We're only selling stickers right now, but we're like this close to reopening um, t-shirts and hoodie sales. Once that's done, I can get the crypto uh, magical crypto store up. What What are we going to sell there? Do you have any hints? T-shirts. T-shirts, Anything else? plushies. How about plushies? I'm working on that. Stickers. I've got the lion. Look, check it out. And this is a pony. Wow, that's a beautiful pony. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we could do stickers too. I think people liked our our little animal head stickers. Yeah, actually, actually I was surprised by how how popular those stickers were. Uh, I, I I don't remember how many you got me, Samsung, but like I gave away almost all of them. Everyone wanted them. Um, even people who weren't there kept uh, asking me on Twitter and Telegram to, to send me some stickers. I said, I'm not going to send stickers to you. I'm lazy. Come get them. Uh, the best part <laughs> is when people approach me in consensus and they didn't want a picture. They didn't want to talk to me about their ICO. They just wanted a sticker. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sticker in the handshake. Actually, talking about that, it, it was I went downstairs um, to the to the uh, room with all the boots with Charlie, and it's really incredible. I mean, I th- I thought Ricardo was popular, but but when you walk around with with Charlie, literally every two steps you get pulled over, and someone wants to, wants to take a picture or wants to pitch an ICO. It was really. It took us like one and a half hour to just walk the entire like like uh, between the boots. It was, it was really. Not that much fun, actually. Yeah, it doesn't make sense either. Charlie has no coins anymore. Charlie, you should have arranged to have like your PA there, Um, you know, your assistant, which is, I I mean, like I thought that's what we did. And then Samson was just really bad at like arranging interviews. (laughs) Well, Will Panda was my assistant. I told him that like if this guy got like, if people spent too much time talking to me, just say like, hey, Charlie, we need to go. And he, he was, it was, it was very useful. And I was like, I have to go. You realize that people are going, now go to watch it and said like, oh fuck, they pulled it off too. They pulled it off. Yeah, okay. It's very nice. Now, now I'm guilty also. Oh, well. It's not going to work next year. Well, actually, the fun part about the stickers was that uh, Max Kaiser was also running around with them and uh, doing his interviews with, with all those four stickers on, on this uh, on the shirt. So that's fun. Um, Next question. This is this is not really crypto related, but what do you think about Microsoft uh, buying GitHub? There's a lot of discussion about that now. Um, I don't. I don't think it's inherently going to mean that everything collapses and changes overnight. At the same time, 
I know that the Monero development group is thinking carefully about our next move. Uh, we have had a self-hosted GitLab instance as a backup for, man, like two years. Um, and we did that precisely for this reason, that if something happened with GitLab, that we had a fallback. And we've... Um, We've got like a sync service that pulls in all the data from from GitHub. And what we're thinking now is it might be worthwhile doing like a full migration um, into that GitLab, uh, that self-hosted GitLab instance, and then making GitHub the mirror and making that GitLab instance but, the master. Uh, Dogecoin co-founder uh, Jackson Palmer made a tweet about this, which like made a lot of sense. Like Git is decentralized. GitHub is not. So it's as if like Microsoft bought Coinbase. Right, that's nothing to do with Bitcoin. Like Coinbase uses Bitcoin, and if you didn't want to use Coinbase, you would use someone else. So you can host your own using GitLab, or you can. A lot of people trust GitHub, GitHub, just like a lot of people trust Coinbase. Yeah, I think the the, the problem is that Git. You're, you're right. Git is decentralized, but the there's other features that GitHub has, um, like projects, wikis, uh, the code review. Um, pull request comments, uh, pull requests themselves, all of these things. They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you, if you take the Git repo itself, it's got, sure, it's got the Git history and, and branches and so on, but it doesn't have all of this metadata. So, so the, um, and that metadata is kind of, uh, kind of useful, you know, for like why were certain decisions made. So I think like that's really the, the only thing that, that, um, that maybe needs to be taken into consideration is, do you trust GitHub with hosting that data? Do you want to give additional metrics to Microsoft? Um, if you don't, then pull your data off and use GitLab, Bitbucket, well, you know, uh, self-hosted GitLab, um, Gitia, there are a bunch of alternatives. Yeah, it's actually not a big deal. I think <clears throat> a lot of people probably use their own self-hosted GitLabs too. It's just probably more of the uh, open source projects that don't, right? Because it's more work to do that. But a lot of companies probably aren't using GitHub just for that reason. They want that privacy. Yeah, look at Globy. We use GitLab internally, self-hosted. Um, yeah, and uh, and have for like since the beginning, and it's it's really powerful. I mean, it is. It's got all the features that GitHub has and more. So I, I see very little reason. Um, not to not to do it, and you're right that like smaller open source projects will str- maybe struggle with infrastructure. But um, then you you have other options. You have Bitbucket, and you have um, uh, GitLab. As I understand it, have their own host, hosted environment as well. Yeah, and if you're complaining about functionality, go and code it up. I mean, right? Just do it yourself. Totally. So a lot of the a lot of the import stuff in GitLab um, when we started using it didn't exist. You could import like pull requests and and issues, um, and now it's like every like pretty much anything. You know the whole code review status, um, wikis, everything can be pulled. The whole, whole project system can be pulled in. So you know people have they've gone like we need this functionality and they've written it up over the past few years. Okay, one last question to end the episode. What do you think about uh, McAfee? Running for president uh, in 2020 in US. Didn't he fail last yeah, time? Yeah, he, he tweeted about yesterday or like two weeks ago or last month. Um, <laughs> Samson, did you say that he didn't he fail? Yeah, last he, time? he ran. He, he did something last last uh, election. He ran last time also. Yeah, and he didn't 
get anywhere. Well, well obviously. Third, time, third time's a charm. <laughs> but now he has all, all his crypto friends, <laughs> magical crypto friends. So, uh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he's not running with the Libertarian Party anymore, right? Well, he said he would, uh, unle- unless he said he would if, if they wanted him, and otherwise he would like uh, create his own party, which will be a fun party, I guess, if it's McAfee. Very strange one. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know if Donald Trump could be president. Maybe anyone can. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, there's only one of us uh, living in US, so it's really not our problem. It's only Charlie's. It's not a problem. He's leaving. He's moving to Canada. If McAfee becomes president, I wonder if they'll do like the national currency will just change every other week. <laughs> <laughs> currency of the week. Yeah, it could work. Why do you have a panda holding a gun? It's a Banksy. You know Banksy. Yeah. But that's a Banksy? Yeah. That's an yeah. official Banksy thing? Yeah. I didn't realize it. He, he, he painted this itself on, on the t-shirt. On your T-shirt? Wow! You know, he uh, well, Panda was like, "Hey, can you give me an autograph?" And that's what happened. It's worth more than Ricardo's uh, watch. Totally. <laughs> and Banksy obviously is Satoshi Nakamoto. Obviously, obviously. Oh, I'd like to point something out. Like with the sound that was messed up at Consensus, and the sound that was messed up when we were at the Stoshi Roundtable. You know, I can actually blame Samson. What? How can you blame me? Of course you can, because it was Samsung gear. <laughs> no, it was Samsung equipment. It was. Oh. It was actually your. It's your name. It's not Samsung, the Korean company. It's actually S A M S. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'll share some blame. When we finish recording the show, we're going to find out Ricardo forgot to hit record on his audio. <laughs> I did it. Don't worry. But yeah, for for the next for the next live broadcast, we're switching from Samsung to Sure. Sorry, Samson, you're leaving the show being replaced by some guy called Sure. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, share. Sure. As, as long as it works. <laughs> and on that bombshell, wah, wah. goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking we should actually do a post credit scenes like the Marvel movies. So you make people watch through the credits. We do that before the intro. Oh, that's true. I don't watch our shows. I don't know. <laughs> don't watch, who cares about watching our shows? I mean, that's just crazy. Talk. Watching yourself is so it's wrong. It's, it's, it's strange. I have to agree. It's a bit uh, odd. I don't, I don't like watching myself. <laughs>